Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night, the number one show at 5 o'clock. And we're here to tell you what the heck is going on. And uh, we have uh, one great show for you today and a lot of revelations. And uh, in the studio with us is uh, Ed Cox, 10 years GOP uh, chairman. How are you, Ed? Uh, doing well. Had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you did, too. Did you eat the white meat or the dark meat? A dark meat. Love it. It's I, moist. I tell you, it nice. was more moist. I had, yeah. a, I had a turkey leg, and I enjoyed it. <laughs> and then we had the leftovers today. And they were even better. Well, yeah, but I'm going out to dinner tonight for uh, uh, either Greek food or Italian food. No more turkey for today for me. Uh, and uh, our first guest today, we, we have Michael Goodwin, an award-winning uh, uh, um, New York Post uh, editor and uh, uh, and uh, whatever. Michael Goodwin. I mean, you're a famous guy. Usually I have Lydia, uh, you know, introducing you, and she does a much better job than me introducing you. It's a must-read column. It's a must-read yeah, column. Well, well, thank you both. I'm just going to put Lydia in for a raise. Uh, clearly, you <laughs> you know, you guys are just kind of going in circles there without her. So, uh, Well, she took the day off today and never told me. How dare she? Yeah. <laughs> well, Michael, tell us what's what what's the what's the most important thing to that New Yorkers and Americans should know about uh, today. Well, John, look, I think that the uh, we're, we're getting a little break from politics here over the Thanksgiving. Hopefully, it stretches into the full weekend. But but I think that the the post election period is going to be pretty tumultuous. I, I think both parties feel that they won, uh, that they got something out of the election, and there's some truth to the, to viewing it that way. The Democrats got to keep the Senate, uh, and uh, Republicans pick up the House. Uh, and so I think that uh, both sides are feeling their oats now, and I suspect we're going to have a lot of really tough arguments and tough fighting. I don't see any bonhomie on the on the uh, radar. I don't see them getting along. I don't see this kind of kumbaya come together, and I just think it's not going to happen. It feels as though we've already started in uh, the 2024 and, and campaign. Michael, the, the, uh, the next election has already started. Donald Trump declared uh, that he's running sure. for presidency, and we still have the runoff in Georgia coming up. So right. it, it's still it's going on. A nonstop election. Yeah. Hey, any feeling on a runoff for, for Georgia yet, uh, uh, Michael? Well, look, uh, you know, normally the Republicans should do well on this. And the fact that uh, uh, Herschel Walker was bathed in mud by the left uh, for much of that whole race and still kept Warnick under 50 percent. But, you know, these things are all about turnout, John. And uh, whichever side can turn out their voters, because generally the turnout falls for these runoffs. It's that that initial blush is off. People have voted. They want to move on with their lives. But the politicians say, well, one more time. We need you one more time. So that's it's harder to get people out for this second time around. We'll see which side does better. I think especially on the Republican side without Governor Kemp on the ticket since he already won. He got over 50. 
Right. And uh, it was interesting to see him campaigning with Herschel Walker, um, a popular governor in Georgia, uh, not popular with Donald Trump, although Herschel Walker is. And so Kemp uh, sort of sticking with the party. And you have to admire him for that. I mean, he has he has no real reason uh, to, to stay with Herschel Walker other than the fact that you would want to have a United States senator from your party in Washington if you are the governor. And that's what uh, Brian Kemp is doing. And he was a hero uh, with respect to COVID. He, he said, look, let's protect the, protect the older people, but let the economy keep going. Don't shut it down. There were a number of Republicans who who did well during COVID, right? Ron DeSantis, Kristi Noem in uh, South Dakota, uh, Brian Kemp in Georgia, uh, even uh, Youngkin for the period that he was in Virginia during COVID. Yes, I, I mean, I think that the, the shut it down, wear the mask forever, all of that kind of thing uh, was clearly a failure. And you get a sense that the coverage of this is sort of inching toward that position. But it's oh so slowly, and it's always uh, bracketed by, oh, a new variant is coming, get your boosters. And so the, the, old, the old guard doesn't want to give away, get away from this idea that, you know, you must run and hide. It's almost like they are uh, supporting the China way of doing it. And the, the problem, the difference is China does not have a vaccine. Uh, we have a vaccine in America. We've had a vaccine in America. It's not completely protective for everybody, but it does seem to make a difference for a lot of people. And so why the left keeps demanding you get vaccinated, but then wanting to shut you down anyway, um, to me, it's, it's not science. It's a political ideological position. Well, the, the, you know, they, they don't stop, though. I mean, uh, the I've said before that the Democrats are fighting like uh, uh, com- with, with combat boots. Uh, the, first, it's the uh, pandemic and you hide Biden in the uh, in in the basement for for the almost the entire election. Right. Uh, then you, uh, they they hid what's his name in the basement, too, in Pennsylvania. Uh, our new Fetterman. senator in Pennsylvania. Fetterman. Fetterman. Fetterman, yeah. he was hiding in the basement. Then uh, they went to Georgia and said, you vote for us, the Democrats, we're going to give you $2,600 next week. And they delivered. And then the, 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 they come up with the story, uh, vote for the Democrats, vote, we're, we're going to give you $10,000 off on whatever you owe on the college loans. I mean, it seems like uh, let's put two turkeys in every uh, oven. Yeah, yeah. Look, that's the... Uh, and, and then the Republicans on the other side say, oh, we can't afford to give it here. So yeah. you know who they vote for? They vote for the Democrats. Well, that was certainly one of the big issues in that runoff uh, last year in 2020. Yeah. Uh, it happened in January 21. But uh, that was one of the big issues. Uh, you know, which party is going to give you a bigger bonus? Um, look, I think the Republicans will always be at a disadvantage when it comes to giving away things. The Republican theory is we'll let you keep more of your own. We think that's the proper way. We won't take it from you. The Democrats want to redistribute it. They want to take it from you. 
you, John. Give it to me. Uh, now, I, I'm very grateful for that, but uh, that's the way they play the game, and they're very aggressive about it, and uh, they've been successful. They know how to fight in the streets. You know what it reminds me of? I've, I told people this. It reminds me of the Revolutionary War. Uh, we were the street fighters uh, in the Revolution, and the Brits, they were wearing uh, red coats, and they were, they were marching uh, very order- orderly. Yes. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, right that's what, that's the, what the GOP is doing now. They're wearing bow ties and white shoes, marching very orderly to win. And, and, and the, and the uh, Democrats are, are wearing combat boots. Well, what, I, I tell you, we, we were talking about Fetterman a minute ago. Now, Fetterman is clearly impaired. Um, the Republican Party wouldn't dare to put a, a Fetterman on the ballot. They know he would get killed. Lord, no. The fact that, <laughs> the fact that Fetterman won is extraordinary. It means millions of people in Pennsylvania. Now, listen, some of them voted before the debate. That's another issue there, that early voting before debates. Uh, And so in his case, he agreed to debate only after early voting had started. How many votes did they have in, in in the pot at that time? Uh, I don't know, but Pennsylvania has a very, uh, very elderly population and therefore lots of early voting. And uh, that may have been enough. I mean, it was it was a pretty close election. I think he got what, 50 around 51. And, uh, you know, I think that also you talk about the top of the ticket, Brian Kemp doing well in Georgia. Mastriano, the Republican candidate in Pennsylvania, was terrible. I think he got 42 percent. It's very hard to get voters, you know, once they voted sort of against the top of your ticket to kind of come around. Now, many of them did, but not enough. And I think a stronger top of the ticket might have bought a different result for uh, for Dr. Oz. Yeah, there's definitely a correlation between the two. Uh, I think it's certainly Kemp helped Walker. Uh, in the first right. round, and right. here yeah. Mastriano just was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Stacey Abrams was a dud, right? I mean, it was, yeah. it was a big yeah. eight nine point range there, and uh, but nonetheless, Warnock uh, came out ahead, not not over majority, but came out ahead despite her. So it, it can work both ways, but it just I think that's one of the. By the way, one of the things that scares Republicans about Georgia, that Warnock did so much better than Stacey Abrams and Herschel Walker did less well than uh, Brian Kemp. That would suggest uh, an advantage for Warnock if you had the same constituents coming out to vote. That's why the focus is on who's coming out. Can you get your people out? Well, at the same time, is that why Biden says, oh, we, we didn't take away your $10,000 yet. Uh, just uh, we're leaving it on hold. Yeah, he's going to. Uh, he 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 bought some votes there with that money, probably. I mean, the young people really came out for Democrats this time. And it's hard to believe that. Uh, look, Joe Biden is a desperate man. And it's it's really sad to see such a bidding war for votes the way he did it this time. Just naked, naked bidding war up and down the line. And, uh, you know, I, I do think that there's a lot wrong with that forgiveness plan, that student loan forgiveness plan. Well, the Congress um, has to vote for it. Well, that's but absolutely. And even if Congress voted for it, I still wouldn't like it. But you're right. It it it. He doesn't have the authority to give away $400 billion. But the people that are voting don't know that. 
They don't know that. They, and, that's, and that's why you said the young people voted because, especially in Arizona, because they think that we're going to get that $10,000. And they also think that uh, uh, on the abortion issue. And the third thing in Arizona was uh, the uh, McCain issue where uh, he, he, Trump uh, made him, uh, you know, the, the Trump-McCain battle. Yeah. Yeah. And Carrie Lake, um, who was, a, you know, a strong willed Trump supporter, uh, sort of seized on all of these things. And she looked like a sort of rising star coming out of that campaign. Unfortunately, uh, right now, uh, the other side is ahead and, and the state is very close to declaring the Democrat Katie Hobbs the winner. Um, well, the one really strange thing about that, I mean, there was all this stuff about Maricopa County and the counting and, you know, all of that and certifying. But I thought perhaps the most, to me, bizarre thing of all was Katie Hobbs is what the uh, election commissioner or attorney general, and she was overseeing the count. I mean, that is really weird. I mean, and she declined to accuse herself. The American people have to feel confident that one one citizen, one vote, and if we don't have that confidence, then our country is going to go downhill. I, I agree with you. I, I think if people on a wholesale basis don't trust the elections, um, we, are, we are in for a peck of trouble. And look, let's face it, uh, you know, you, you, see, you see these, uh, uh, sorry, excuse me about my dog. The dog but, uh, wants you. Yeah. But we have to we have to take a break. But 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 uh, is there anything else you want to say before we well, take the break? I, I just wanted to say quickly, John, that that all of the um, the lack of trust that is now uh, manifesting itself in American institutions, um, we're we, you know, churches, military, all of that. It, it's all now the media. It's all now come down to American people basically trust two institutions. One is small business. And the second is the military. Everything else is mediocre. I mean, those two, I think, are like 78 and 79 percent trusted by the American people. Me and Ed Cox, I think we both yep. agree with you. Thank you. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving and we'll catch up again real soon. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you both. Thank you. Our next uh, guest is Ty McCoy, uh, West Pointer, former assistant secretary of the Air Force. And... Uh, one patriotic American, Ty McCoy, tell us what's on your mind today and on Friday of Thanksgiving weekend. Well, John, thank you, and it's very good to be with you, and I hope you all had a very, very happy Thanksgiving. We're very blessed to be at uh, a... Uh, I'm a leg man. I had a, I had a turkey leg. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, you've always been a leg man, I think, and a good one. Uh, so we're always real proud to uh, be on your show and be with you on uh, these issues that are so important now to the country. And I was looking back uh, at something that I had uh, written in 1979 uh, or thereabout uh, for the Baltimore Sun uh, when I was helping to draft uh, the uh, Reagan defense plan, the Reagan budget, uh, some of the uh, policies that were going to go forward if the president uh, won, and he did. And it was entitled Strong Believers in a Weak America. It was an op-ed piece. And I think that's what we've, we've got right now, which is very, very uh, dangerous and very uh, distracting uh, and weakens us in the eyes of our enemies and, and makes them take chances and pose risk to us uh, very, very uh, directly, very uh, 
strongly, very well-organized threats to us. And basically, we have a, a group of people who are imposing and trying to impose upon us uh, false gods, if you would, false idols, false ideologies, such as uh, green uh uh, energy that can come from somewhere even when the sun's not shining uh, and do away with oil and gas, a uh, critical race theory, uh, calling everybody white supremacists or some other kind of supremacist, uh, sort of trying to create hate and division, which is really uh, cuts to uh, the the power of America. And they're strong believers in a weak America because a weak America actually gives them power, gives them power to direct and to oppress and to uh, make money in various ways. And we are letting ourselves, uh, many in the progressive wing of the Democratic Party are, are proffering this uh, to sweep aside our history, to sweep aside American values, to sweep aside American strength, uh, not pay our troops properly, not fund the troops uh, and their equipment properly, uh, to uh, reside and, and uh, let happen things that are supposedly beyond our control. Uh, but there are a lot of things that are are under our control if we choose to take action and to unify and to work hard towards them, as we have always done. Uh, and so whether it's the southern border or the fentanyl coming in or uh, satellite uh, activities by our enemies, uh, things happening in the cyber domain, uh, unfair trade, uh, domination and uh, taking uh, uh, cruel actions against uh, minorities in our own country, such as Chinese. China does in, in the Xinjiang province, or the Russians are doing inside their country and also outside their country now in, in, in Ukraine. Uh, all of these things are taking place because we appear to have uh, be ununified, disunified over here, and we're choosing to follow false agendas and, and so, false guides and sweep aside our so, historical. So, Ty, Ed Cox values. here. What, what, what's the state of our military now? I, I hear we're running out of a lot of munitions that we're supplying Ukraine with. We shouldn't be running out. I mean, we ought to be able to fight a two front war. Uh, this is Ukraine against the Russians. It started as a smaller operation. It's getting bigger. But even with the help of NATO, it looks like we are running out of things that we need, and uh, it's going to take a long time to ramp up our production again. <laughs> Were we really ready no. to do a two-front wars? No. Over time, uh, the uh, the policy and the strategy we'd had for many years, as you very aptly uh, noted, was to be able to fight a two-front war, and then it became to, uh, well, let's fight a, a one-and-a-half-front war, and then let's uh, fight a, a one war scenario and and hope to delay uh, the the uh, enemies in the second theater by uh, talking tough and maybe throwing a few uh, bombs their way and so forth. So over time, uh, our strategy has has been pulled back uh, because our spending has been pulled back. We used to spend four percent to to ten percent of our GDP uh, on the military. Right now, we're we're spending about two 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 and a half. Uh, the other countries in NATO were spending at 1%. So for many, many years, we, we did uh, take advantage of the peace dividend and even take advantage of more than the peace dividend by printing money and spending it on things that we couldn't afford and, and, and didn't need. Right now, uh, many troops are, are living in uh, subsidized housing, living in trailers. Uh, many of them have had six or seven or eight overseas tours. Some of them are on food stamps. Uh, many committing suicide on active duty and veterans. Wow, well, I have suicide on active duty? How many of those have we had? Uh, we've had a good number. We have some every week. Uh, 
that are depressed. They're sometimes not even in, in a combat theater. They're on bases in the United States uh, because they have family problems. They have problems, uh, you know, with uh, education. They have problems getting medical care. Uh, so there's kind of a shortage uh, all the way around. The military is is uh, getting kind of the short end of the stick while we're busy sending out, you know, uh, trillions of dollars in stimulus checks to people who are sitting at home on the couch and, uh, you know, uh, taking it easy and doing nothing and, and basically taking their the check they thought they were going to get from Uncle Sam and going on vacation and, and putting it on Facebook. In the meantime, uh, the military is seeing that they are not respected inside the chain of command for either religious or regional or racial or other reasons. That's one of the reasons that the U.S. military today, most of the branches cannot meet their recruiting quota. So there's not enough How people. bad is it? Uh, I mean, me and you have been around forever. And I don't know if you know it, Ed Cox was a, was a uh, ranger. Air, uh, airborne. Airborne. <laughs> yeah. Airborne ranger. That's special they're, they're forces, yeah. You know? Ran- rangers lead the way. And uh, they're a very prime example of the kind of courage and, and elite status, uh, humble servants at the same time that they're so strong. Uh, and they take care of their men. They, they lead them to safety. They lead them to victory. And they stand at, at the ready for uh, all Thanksgivings, all holidays, uh, when they're on active duty, even when they're in the reserves. And over time, the elite nature uh, and the uh, esprit and the elan that has been in these units and, and so forth is being slowly degraded and washed away. And people are being pushed out of the military. We, we have uh, 40 seconds way. before we got to take a break. Tell us what you, what you want to tell Americans. Well, I want to tell Americans to uh, continue to give thanks for all the blessings that we have, but to realize that those blessings can be taken away without daily, willful, practical, knowledgeable education about the issues and a willingness to stand up and fight for them in their communities and send their sons and daughters to fight inside the bureaucracy and, if need be, to fight on the fields of battle. Well, thank you for your service. Thank you for everything you've done for our country and continue to speak out for our country. And uh, we'll catch up with you again real soon. Thank you. sounds great. God bless you. God bless. And now to get a financial report, I believe we have uh, Paul Luntzis on. And uh, Paul, give us your your, 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 uh, opinion of the pulse of the market situation. The market went up again today. Interest rates were uh, the 30-year bond, uh, 30-year Mortgage is going down a little bit. What, what say you? You know, John, I think a lot of it is really dependent on what happens in December 14th, the second day of the Fed meetings, when they announce probably a 50 basis point increase. It'll be uh, after four 75 basis point increases. And, you know, the challenge really is the Fed's really doing a balancing act, trying to control a lot of different issues. And it's a big, big challenge for them. You know, they're trying to control the economy through not going into a recession, which a lot of people are predicting. Two, they're trying to, you know, manage the the, the consumer and make sure the consumer's surviving with inflation and what's going on. They're trying to reduce inflation. Um, I mean, there's a lot of levers that they're trying to control, and it's a real, real challenge. It's a real conundrum for them. Paul, I, I, Ed Cox here. I, maybe it's because I'm a lawyer. But I look at it through what their legal uh, obligations are, and that's Humphrey Hawkins and to keep unemployment low and inflation low. Now, unemployment is very low at this point, historically low. 
And inflation is the highest it's been in, what, 40 years? So uh, aren't they going to keep fighting inflation? Aren't they going to keep driving up interest rates uh, and until you see that uh, maybe unemployment go up a little bit and inflation really come down? Well, Larry Summers, an outstanding economist, has stated he thinks unemployment has to get to close to 6% from 3.6 or 3.7, where it is now, to start having more of an impact on inflation. I think uh, they, they clearly have to, it's a great question, I think they clearly have to keep fighting inflation. Now, maybe the magnitude of the increases, which were 75 basis points, four in a row, maybe they won't do 75 December 14th, they'll do 50. But going into 23, um, you know, unless inflation really, really starts coming down significantly, they're probably going to have to continue raising them, perhaps not with the same magnitude at the 75 basis point, but 25 to 50. And they also said in the minutes, the minutes come out three weeks after the meeting, they basically stated that one rates, you know, are going to have to go up and they're probably going to have to go up higher than what they originally anticipated back in September. So we could be heading towards 5% or so, maybe even a wow. little higher. Wow. Exactly. And that's going to have a lot of, lot of negative repercussions. Um, you know, and you see a lot of what's going on in the economy is really, it's really out of balance. You have companies like retailers like Macy's, Target, Kohl's, Gap, and Nordstrom really suffering, having difficult times. And then you have other companies like Dollar Tree, Dick's Sporting Goods, Lowe's and Home Depot, TJX and Ross doing really well. And I think it's just driven by different segments of the economy. The, the middle class and lower is really suffering disproportionately, as John has said, from inflation. High-end spending will probably increase. It's typically done that even through the pandemic. It's the middle and working classes that are reining in their expectations. They're trading down the lower cost goods. They're increasing their credit card balances, which are hitting records all the way back in May, April, May, June. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, it's a real challenge. They're using buy now, pay later, which, uh, which I think is a, a very interesting area that could create more problems. So it's just a very challenging, unique time. Historically, have you ever seen a period when interest rates have gone up, feds pushed them up as fast as they have now? That's the extraordinary thing. It's not just that, they, I mean, they could be higher and still make sense with respect to inflation. But, boy, the acceleration in the short period of time of interest rates. In a year's time, it went up uh, tremendously. Yeah. No, that's, that's a really good point, Ed. I don't think there's many occasions where they've raised them successively four times, 75 basis points. But that's a reflection of the fact that they waited too long. Yes. They've kept rates too low, too long, and it's created all kinds of misallocations of capital. Yeah, but but the, the inflation rates went up tremendously after the uh, the price of oil started going up. That's, that's when it, it was needed, I guess. Uh, but, uh, Paul, we're almost out of time. Uh, tell us uh, your, your company and what you do. At Lounsis Asset Management, we are a registered SEC-registered investment advisor. We manage separately managed private accounts customized for each individual. We buy individual securities, both stocks as well as fixed income securities for Paul, our clients. Paul Lounsis, thank you. Have a great weekend, and uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you, John. Have a good weekend. You too. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. We are back. And uh, what are we talking about now? Well, one of the 
greatest U.S. senators the New York state has ever had is Alphonse D'Amato, and he's with us today, and and we're here. Alphonse, uh, we're here in the studio, just me and Ed Cox, we're the only ones working today, and uh, what are you mad as heck about? Tell us, what's going on? Well, John, I have to tell you, to watch what's taking place to this nation financially, to watch the unnecessary deaths that are taking place, um, and and to see that there is nothing being done by Republicans and Democrats to close the border and to see to it that we have a border that does not allow criminals to come in, that does not allow um, millions and millions of drugs, the fentanyl, to come over. And just take a look at one thing. Over 100,000 people have died, most of them young people, because of fentanyl. And, And we don't say there's a crisis at the border. Everything is good. Uncle Joe goes around and says, oh, I, I'm like this gun law. We should stop selling these guns. Yeah, that's right. I don't think that it's necessary for us to have automatic weapons. But let me tell you, that is nothing compared to the deaths that are taking place every day in our communities. But, Senator, Ed Cox, here, Ed Cox here, didn't uh, Secretary Mayorkas of the Homeland Security say that the border is secure? Yeah, sure. It it is a secure place if you're a criminal, if you're a drug dealer, if you are trading on on infants um, in in terms of of, of selling them, etc. It's good. It's a clear place and it's safe for them to operate because we just don't have the manpower. We have not put it there. We have not finished the wall. We have not entered into the old agreement that we had with Mexico, that you don't let people in here. You stop them, and they return to Mexico until they are legally cleared. Legally. You just don't catch and release. And and there are tens and tens of thousands every month who are coming over that are not even part of the count. And and what do you have? Over 200,000 people last month that were counted for? And that doesn't account for the 30 or 40,000 that escaped and, and never came into our custody. And the this drugs coming in from the from from the Mexico uh, border yeah. killed 100,000 Americans Start, in 12 months. Coming from China so, to Mexico think, to here. Yep. Fentanyl, deadly drug. Think of, the, think of the cost in terms of the lives that are lost. Think of the course. Now, let me give you something else. Well, there's something that you might not know. I heard this the other day, and there's been four suicides among border agents. Four suicides in in the last month or so uh, because they they feel they can't do their job. Well, uh, they can't do their job because, let me tell you, even when they apprehend uh, people who've got bad backgrounds, uh, they're not held. They're not held. They release them. Uh, they release them, and they, they give them a date to appear. And, and, and guess where they appear? Now some of them appear in, in $450 a day hotels. I mean, could you imagine here in New York City, where we have a homeless crisis without this, now having 
tens of thousands of illegals being shipped into our country who wind up in New York City and in other communities throughout the state. Well, I, I know it, your, your, your friend, uh, you think uh, the controller. Um, John, yeah. how much do you think that this is costing New York State? Millions, and, millions, and tens of millions. Of commu- oh, I'll bet you well over a billion well, dollars they a built, year. They built that place on Orchard Beach. Then they said, oh, it doesn't work, and they tore that down. Then they built this other place that looks beautiful. It was in the New York Times, a big picture of it, on Randall's Island. Yep. And then yep. they, they, they said, we're not going to use it. And now they're in, in, in hotel rooms. And look, uh, Eric Adams is screaming about it. Uh, it, it, but, $450 a day. Well, by, President mean, Biden, the federal government or the state government, well, it's the federal government's fault that allowing them in, then they should pay for it. Well, number one, they, the taxpayers are paying for this. And we have a fiscal crisis. Let's not kid ourselves. This situation in this country in terms of the economy is not good. And you're going to see that uh, this uh, next two or three months, more working middle-class families are going to be in more debt than you can believe. We are in big, big trouble, this economy. And here we are taking in uh, 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 several million people a year, most of whom don't have any place to stay, that, that are, are going to be costing us a small fortune each for each and every one of them well, so many of them um, who should never be permitted to come in people who've got all kinds of records in 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 terms of murder in terms of rape in terms of every kind of crime imaginable so for my republican colleagues or former colleagues i say the house of representatives you've got the number one pass a bill that brings back peace, that calls for the continuation of building the wall, that calls for reinstatement of the programs that we once had under the law, where it's not just catch and release, it's it's catch and you go back to Mexico until you can establish bona fide credibility, permit legal uh, uh, immigration, uh, allow for X number, whether it's a million people a year who can come into this country or a million and a half, but do it legally. And also, it's about time. There are many, many citizens, John, and you know them and I do. People who've come to this country uh, um, uh, during the Obama administration um, who are living here, who, uh, who report back uh, to the immigration authorities who are working, etc., give those people a pathway to citizenship. For God's sakes, if they've been here for, for, and, and have their kids born here, some of them for 15, 20 years, give them a pathway to citizenship. It just should, shouldn't be. We, no, we, we agree. We all agree. And we should set up an Ellis Island type operation on, on the Texas borders, Arizona, New Mexico, and let everybody go through an Ellis Island operation where we have checks and balances of who's coming into our country. Well, so that number one, the Republicans, now that they have one house under control, 
to pass that barely, bill barely. That, deals, that deals with the border and then send it to the Senate. And if the Senate turns it down, then we go after them and the administration and we point out those senators who failed to do this. We're not just going to, you just don't say nobody can come. No, X number of people a year, but they have to go through the process. And and that's no more catching release. Senator, no one did that better than you. Your words Senator, we need offended. you back in Washington. You Consider bet. running again. Well, <laughs> well Senator DeBato, well, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Did you eat dark meat or white meat? Both. Both. <laughs> okay. That's, that's good. The spirit. That's good. <laughs> hey, there's a guy that's in the middle there. Okay. Thank you so much. And, you got it, John. And now calling in, and she has a, a few other revelations. With uh, Congresswoman Nicole Magitakis, that won by so many points. How are you, Nicole? Great to be with you. How are you today? Good. I saw you on Fox before. You look terrific. I said to Matt Wanning, get her on our show. Uh, Nicole always <laughs> looks terrific. Yeah. <laughs> well, tell us, uh, you, you first, I, th- I saw you were concerned about the rail strike. Tell us what's going to happen. So, John, uh, December 9th is an important date because uh, the railroads and their unions, and there's 12 unions, they've been negotiating uh, contract terms. Uh, and as you know, they almost had a strike back in September. Uh, thankfully, uh, it was averted. There was a preliminary um, agreement that was made. However, four of those unions have uh, opposed they voted down, they struck down, you could say, uh, the contra- the uh, um, agreement. And so uh, without the agreement of all 12 unions, uh, we could be headed for another strike come December 9th. And so I've been sounding the alarm, hoping to get the attention of uh, the White House and also my colleagues in Congress, because this is something that will be devastating to our economy. A strike of this magnitude, uh, when you think about everything that is transported by rail in this country, everything from the chemicals that treat our water systems, uh, to energy supply, to food, to consumer goods, particularly during this holiday season, you're talking about maybe a $2 billion loss a day to the U.S. economy. And so we need to ensure that an agreement is made. And if agreement is not made, by December 9th, Congress needs to be ready to step in um, to 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 pass legislation, uh, basically pass the terms uh, and and avert this type of uh, strike that could be devastating. Nicole, it's Ed Cox here. I I heard before the election, President Biden boasting that he had solved it, that it was didn't didn't have to worry about it, and now it's coming back as a problem that there may be a strike, and the White House seems uh, sort of inert about it. They don't want to address it. Why is that? Yeah, it's interesting that you mention uh, that because what the what the White House did, and to their credit, they did put a temporary Band-Aid on the issue, right? But unfortunately, it seems it was more a political solution. They were just trying to get past the election. It was an actual uh, permanent solution. That's why it's resurfacing now. The interesting thing is that the president's taking a different position now. It seems, depending on who you talk to in the White House, either they're 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 totally hands off and they're allowing the union and railroad to negotiate and. Or some people in the White House will say that they're actively involved. Uh, my position is that this should be on the president's radar. He should be actively involved. Absolutely. Uh, because we cannot afford to have this type of uh, stop to our economy. And also, uh, now that we're in winter in the Northeast uh, and we see a supply dwindling of diesel, the inventory right now in the Northeast is half of what it was 
last year in terms of heating oil. You know, one out of five homes in the Northeast are are heated by this by diesel, and so it is critically important that uh, we have that supply uh, coming to the Northeast. So that's the other issue. It's sort of like two issues in one because it will be magnified uh, by the rail strike, even though the the short supply that we have right now is its own issue. Um, so, so we want the president to really work with Congress to avert these two issues. We need to make sure we have an adequate supply of, of heating oil for the winter months here in the Northeast, um, and there are some issues, right, with the Mississippi River. Uh, there was a drought. You have other issues relating to the Jones Act, which prohibits uh, anything but U.S. flag ships from going from port to port within the U.S. Uh, you have also the issues with Russia in Europe. Europe's going to stop importing crude uh, starting December 5th. So they're going to be looking for supply elsewhere. So there's a lot of factors here. I don't think people recognize, you know, when they turn on the heat, they just want it to go on. Or just like when they turn on the lights, they just want the electricity to go on. But there's a lot happening in the background that could affect... You know, you're, you're too young to remember. Me and Ed Cox remembers. We will remember the, the gas lines where where we were conned back in the... What was it, 1980s? It was not early, 1979 and 1974. The world is running out of uh, oil and uh, we don't have enough oil and, and we had gas lines. I mean, you, you weren't born yet just about. Remember that, Ed? Well, I mean, we, we, I and, and pipelines really is what we need. We need that infrastructure to transport. But what, you know, what, 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 what did, what did uh, President Biden do today? It was a surprise to everybody. They opened up uh, some, uh, 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 authorized some facility down in Texas. What was it? Do you remember? Yeah, so I think th- I, I did read briefly about this and uh, I I'm assuming it will help somewhat. Uh, but what we really need is the president to lift a lot of those executive orders he put in, in day one. Here the, here's the headline. A president Biden administration quietly green lights the plan to build a huge Gulf oil terminal. All of a sudden. And they also green-lighted, the EPA also green-lighted the St. Croix refinery, which is 800,000 barrels. They also green-lighted uh, to, uh, to buy from Venezuela. I mean, why is, why is it the, the United States of America, the enemy of, the, of the Washington, meanwhile, it's okay to, to, to do business in Venezuela and St. Croix or whatever? Yeah, John, you're, you're absolutely right. Well, first of all, when you talk about that terminal of Texas, you, you got to wonder whether this is for exporting as opposed it to It is import. for exporting. Exactly. And number two, it, it, and these are resources, quite frankly, that we need here in the United States right now, and our priority should be building that Keystone Pipeline to get it from point A to point B. Um, you're absolutely right. We need they they want to make the American people poor again, where we have to wait online for, for, for fuel and gasoline and say, oh, we're going to do you a favor. We're going to make the, other, the car companies make electric cars. And electricity is powered by... Natural gas, mostly. <laughs> it's well, crazy. You're right. Uh, you, no one's better on the issues than you, Nicole. I've got to say, well, well, uh, you always have been. What I just want to make is that it's not just the federal policy uh, that the Democrats have pushed that have been anti-American energy. It's also the, the state policies, right? We saw uh, Governor Cuomo shut down Indian Point nuclear power plant, clean power. Uh, we're seeing, in fact, European countries backtrack on just that right now as they 
are becoming more and more reliant upon their adversaries and they want to be independent again. And we also saw, um, you know, the, the state stop the expansion of gas plants here in New York State. And so uh, these are concerns. We cannot start shutting down. They're trying down. to force the banks not to lend to, to fossil fuel companies, to oil companies. It's a problem. Yeah, and we can't shut down these plans. We'll talk uh, more. Enjoy Nicole Mayatakis. You won by a big margin. Enjoy the weekend. Did you eat dark meat or, or white meat on turkey? No, I, I'm a white meat and yams person. Um, I had a no, great Thanksgiving. Oh, you love know the, the yams. Love yams, the yams with marshmallows yams, on top. Yams and yeah. sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes, yeah, that's sweet it. Sweet potatoes. And wait, but before you let me go, I got to thank Ed Cox because he did an amazing thing with John Faso fighting to preserve fair maps in the state of New York. Now, we, we want to talk about next week. We are getting 11 people representing New York on, from the Republican side. Well, what we're going to talk about next week, Nicole, do your homework on it. Are they going to appoint a new judge in Albany and try to reverse that out? And have a great weekend. That we'll talk right. again next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Okay. Bye-bye. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Dr. Michalos, you are the cleanup player for the week. We're down to the last five minutes of the week, and, and you're the cleanup uh, player, and you're going to tell all Americans how you're going to live a little bit longer. Tell us. Well, tonight we're going to talk about the importance of uh, protecting uh, your maintaining your blood pressure because they're finding out that high blood pressure is associated with Alzheimer's disease. And specifically, there's a certain type called vascular dementia. When our blood pressure is up, the vessels in our body say, I can't take it anymore. And they appear narrower. And the narrowing usually first appears in the eyes because in the eyes is the only place in the human body you can directly visualize blood vessels. And the studies have shown that there's an increased amount of plaque and narrowing of the arteries, which is associated with Alzheimer's. Why is this important with COVID? Because during COVID, many people didn't go to the doctor. Many undiagnosed uh, patients have um, high blood pressure and they don't know it. So it's affecting not only their heart, because when your heart has to work harder against the high blood pressure, the vessels also narrow in your heart. So heart and brain. And what's fascinating is the brain weighs one fortieth of our body weight, but uses one fifth of all the total blood supply. So, and the other thing is Mediterranean diet, olive oil, vegetables, fruits are associated in those countries with less Alzheimer's. So we want our audience to stay healthy and keep listening to WABC for more useful health tips. Wow, that that, that is helpful. In other words, uh, you end up with plaque on your brain, and it's a, or a form of plaque on your brain, brain from the high well, from the high uh, blood pressure, I guess. Well, the high blood pressure doesn't help it because when vessels that are exposed to high pressure, they get narrower. So when the pipes get narrower, you get less blood, less blood flow, also less cleanup. When you have waste and metabolism byproducts, the same thing in the retina with macular degeneration. When it gets clogged up, you don't clean away the waste materials in the brain as well. Now, so that's why. The, the most important question. Last night, did you eat dark meat or white meat? Uh, I was, uh, I was, I did both. That's what I did just to keep everybody happy. So I, I tried Cox, a little that's bit. a person in the middle of the there road. There we go. Yeah, see, you <laughs> keep everyone to, happy. You keep everybody that's happy. That's what doctors are supposed to do, make people happy, right? That's why I'm a registered independent. Avoid <laughs> now, now, tell me again. Now, here's another question. Uh, what's better for you, yams or sweet potatoes? You know, it's two different uh, vegetables. I didn't complete, know that. Completely different vegetables. Huh. 
Yeah, well, sweet potatoes have been showing more and more in the data to have a lot of uh, polyphenols and very healthy um, types of uh, phytochemicals that help in what's called autophagy and going after dead and dying cells. So sweet potatoes are probably a lot better than French fries. Oh, how about oh, yams? Yams, yeah. That, w- yeah, well, yams, you just have to be careful, especially in men sometimes because they're, they're loaded with a lot of uh, hormones and estrogen sometimes. So yams, you got to... You, the well, moderation, because that can actually uh, it can actually change your hormone levels. Believe it or not, wow. some of the hormone replacement things that they make, the naturopathic ones, they use yams. Well, let me yell at Margo. Margo, make sure you buy sweet potatoes, no yams. Then now, look, you on top of the sweet potatoes, tell that to Trisha too. Which, whichever it is, you have to put marshmallows and roast them just a little bit. What does that do? To throw olive oil all over olive it. Olive oil. Secret sauce. How can you put olive oil on top oh of marshmallows? Oh, my God. It's good for you. You see, when you're yeah. over 70, when you're over 70, and me and you are over 70, you've got to worry about health, not what it tastes like. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We want well, health. And be be. Uh, I'm very grateful that you guys always get the truth out and give these health tips because we save lives and we're reminding all our audience, please go check your blood pressure because a lot of you didn't do it during COVID. We will do that. Dr. Peter Michalos, thank you for all your advice. And I'm sure you save many lives. Right now, we have uh, maybe maybe we have almost a thousand, a million people listening all the way because it's after sundown from, from South Florida all the way to northern Canada, all the way to northern Europe, and uh, all the way to Mississippi. So God bless you, and thank you for all the good things you do, Dr. Michalos. Thank you, John, and you're on the salt, everyone. And Ed Cox, uh, the Ranger, Airborne, thank you so much for everything you've done for your your country and continue to speak out for your country. And, and what, do we, what do we all stand thank for? You. Truth, justice, Justice and the American American way. way. God bless America. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.